0: Hello and welcome to Paddock Pass Podcast. My name is David Emmett, and with me are Scott Jones from how you, how do do? Photo GP and Tony Goldsmith from Asphalt and Rubber and various other various other publications yet to be found. Right um it's been a while since we last spoke but i think the main topic of conversation here has to be uh assen uh absolutely fantastic race all race long for uh, between valentino rossi and Marc marquez but i mean basically there was only one part of the race which really counts um and that's the last uh the last chicane. Uh, it's probably been mentioned a few times before in other places,
1: but you were actually shooting there, Tony. I was, I was. Um, you could see clearly that the, the way the race was building up, that something was going to happen at, at that last chicane. And, I, and I've commented uh, to you at the time that I was watching photographers leaving uh, in the build-up to well, three laps to go, actually leaving to maybe to go back to the winner's enclosure. And I was just flabbergasted that they were actually <laughs> doing this because you could see something was going to happen on that last lap going into there. It was Marquez was all set up to do that move. I think he practiced it, as he said himself. And uh, to see people leaving was just beyond comprehension for me. But uh, no, to see it, uh, it unfolded pretty much as I expected to, except they didn't crash. Yeah, I thought they were going to crash. There. Looking at looking at some of my pictures, it looks like Marquez has took the front. Uh, as he's sideways on, the front is definitely gone. Mm. Uh, whether whether touching Rossi's actually stopped him from crashing, I don't know. Was the front going before or after he was uh, he was touching him? Uh, about just before. If I'm looking at my picture, it looks like the front is just starting to point, mm. just slightly off where you would expect it to be. Um, so maybe maybe the maybe touching Valentino's actually kept him upright because he only just stayed up. Yeah, well, he he claimed that
0: he'd been practicing that move all weekend. Uh, practicing during warm up and, uh, and and during free practice and stuff, but then uh, he wasn't practicing with another rider in the way which I, no, thought, yeah. I think where he caught out Did you see anything in your
2: pictures going up to the final lap that where you could see that they were on different approaches to that corner, because I noticed that I went back and looked at my pictures from that corner after the race weekend and it looks like in mine that he made a point of coming
1: in tighter than Rossi did in general. Yes, yes, Now that you mention it, if you think back. It does look like he's on a slightly different line, weighing up that path. Obviously, just having a look at each of the last two laps.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I, I think the uh, uh, it, it's interesting you say about the different lines because I mean, what about the. Um, uh, the there's two different lines that are through there anyway because of the there's the Yamaha line and there's and there's the Honda line and that, mm-hmm. the Honda line tends to get in the, through there. Um, uh, it's much more of a point skirt, so, so it's always going to be a little bit tighter, mm-hmm. braking harder. They can turn the bike uh, uh, faster, whereas the Yamaha comes from outside and sweeps mm-hmm. through uh, through a lot more. So um, the so what did we what did we think? Was it uh, was it a fair result? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it ended just. No,
2: it
1: shouldn't. Give him <laughs> what <it up>. <laughs> happened right before. It he <coughs> gave him. He gave him absolutely nowhere to go. Did he? And uh, he did. The only thing he could do, which was sit the bike up and gas it over the yep. over the gravel. So I don't think anybody could have any complaints at all about the the outcome of the result. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it seemed it, it seemed to me
0: that um, uh, maybe um, Mark had been uh, doing it all weekend. Uh, had been practicing that move all weekend, but he hadn't. He reckoned without Valentino Rossi, and um, uh, as Bradley Smith said at the time, uh, you know, you're wrestling against someone who's been there for twenty years. He knows that. Uh, he knows that. He knew. He knew that Marquez was going to be coming. He knew that Marquez that, uh, that that Marquez was was going to try something, and he, you know, cope with it. He just uh, he uh, took it and and uh, maybe maybe even. Leaned on on a little bit, gave him no no other option. Uh, um, picked it up and squirted it in because he uh, you, on your photos. I think you said that uh, you could actually see him actually lifting lifting the front yeah. while he's on track.
1: Yeah, I missed I missed that one. Um, I don't know what happened. I maybe didn't fire enough in the sequence. <laughs> but I've seen other people's photos, and yeah, you can see he lifts the front before um, he hits the, the gravel, and you, so it looks like he's deliberately done that. Mm. And uh, because obviously you don't know what's going to happen if the front hit, kicks into the gravel so yeah. he's had the presence of mind to lift the front and he just seems to have just bounced across
0: yeah but I mean he's, he has been racing he's been racing there for over 20 years he did he did the European uh, European Championships there as well uh, so and he's seen Edwards and Hayden and he's seen uh, oh who was it one of the one of the one of the Japanese riders and uh, 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 all the rest of it um Afterwards, we went up and asked Mike Webb about it. What well, he thought about it, um, and he said, "Racing incident. There was um, uh, no one fell off. Um, Marquez tried to make the pass, and it didn't come off. And uh, he gave Rossi no choice but to pick the bike up and go through." So, uh, yeah. There's. There's. Yeah, I mean, they they entered the corner in the same uh, they entered the corner and exited the corner in exactly the same order Marcus tried to get past but his front wheel never never got uh, anywhere near uh, Rossi's front wheel I think the front of his front actually might have got just to the back but that was about it um he you know, never got in front and so he never actually owned the corner despite he kept on saying that um, uh, that he had the inside line and so that gave him priority but it's not about the inside line it's about
1: being in front I think that's what makes Assen one of the best tracks on the calendar because it's got one of the best last sections where yeah. something is. I mean how many times over the years have we seen things happen on yeah. that last corner going in there it's just it's just made for drama that last section of the track, yeah. And it delivers time after time. Yeah, and it's yeah. the large, large last section too. It's not just the chicane; mm. it's that track
2: all the way down to the other end, everything that leads up to the climax there at the, yeah. At
0: the end. Yeah, the as you're saying, the last sector is just from uh, all of those. Right-handers, and then the last couple of left-handers, and then the uh, and then the final sector. That's the, the, and then the final chicane. It's really all just one, almost one long corner building up towards uh, the, the drama at the final chicane. We saw the same thing in uh, or something similar in Moto three, where um, uh, uh, Danny Kent had uh, had, had lined. He'd been thinking all the way through that final sector. He'd been planning the uh, uh, planning a pass on um, uh, on Oliveira, who was who was who was leaving who was leading at the time. Um, and Oliveira broke a little bit harder, and Kent was a little bit uh, a little bit concerned when he saw that how hard Oliveira could break there. Um, uh, he had to leave a little bit for, had to leave a little bit of space, was a little bit conservative, and then also got robbed by. Fabio Quartararo in the uh, in the final sector, yeah. but uh,
1: the but highlight, I think, without without doubt, I mean, I was I didn't go out and shoot the Moto three race, and I was sat in the media centre with you mm. and uh, and a few other guys, and I think the biggest cheer that came out that I think I've ever heard in the media centre, yeah. was was Nicky Io. And, uh going over the line on his knees yeah that was absolutely again it was almost
0: classic it was it was a classic Assen mistake where uh, you get it a little bit wrong in that final corner you get a little bit too much gas and you either touch the grass or you touch the uh, touch the Asher turf. you get flicked off and then uh, you yeah you I mean he normally what happens is you get flicked off yeah, and you then end, you fall down and then you <laughs> fall down but but he, he did all of that except for the except for the falling down uh, uh, the falling part you you shot uh, you shot that. You saw it all happen, Scott.
2: Yeah, so I committed to the Moto3 race to standing on the outside of the chicane. You can cross the track there in between sessions. Uh, but once you're over there, you're stuck for the session or the race, however long it is, because you can't get out that gate to come around the outside of the track to get back to the inside. So I thought I would stay the, the on the Moto3 race there, figuring that it would probably, being asked, it would probably come down to the last corner Um, And after Olivera and Kent and Cuadraro got through, I pivoted around and shot them crossing the finish line and then came back. And just as I came back to pay attention, I missed the first part of uh, Ayo's high side. But as soon as he started to wobble, I was lucky enough to get the lens on him and I shot him coming all the way across the grass. And as he got closer and closer to the wall, there my heart rate got faster and faster. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I thought, boy. I didn't know what to think, I was just, you know, trying to take good pictures as he went. And fortunately, he didn't fall down, he just kept on going. And I didn't realize at the time, when I was watching it, When you know, Tony, when you're photographing something like that, you kind of go into a weird time zone of your own, of trying to concentrate and get good pictures, at the same time pay attention to what's going on in the race. So I saw him go by, and for me, it took quite a long time for him to make the progress across the grass back onto the pavement and then all the way down across the finish line and you know people were shouting at him from the pit wall and he went past the line and kept on going didn't i thought he would pull over and get off the bike but he rode for a long time just still going on the side of the bike they went back and watched it on tv and I was watching the video of it it happens really quickly yeah you know i was thinking about it before i'd seen it i wasn't sure why he hadn't just kind of said okay I'm off the bike I'm going to hop back on do a little cowboy thing hop back on and then ride properly
0: but I, in real time he didn't have time to do that he wanted to get across the yes. finish line it was, it was pretty remarkable yeah exactly <clears throat> he, he, he said afterwards that he saw the wall getting closer and he was just focusing on I don't want to hit the wall I don't want yeah. to hit the wall and uh, he sort of got it under control and from then he was just you know almost along for the ride as soon as he got it sorted and wasn't going to hit the wall he was just basically along for the ride yeah. get across the line it was gutting for him because he was in I think. Eighth, eighth position or something and then he, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, and then finishes out the points that I think was the biggest thing See on the high side he should have come down on the other side of the bike then he wouldn't <laughs> go in between the bike and the he wall He didn't plan his high he side very yeah. well Yeah, yeah. yeah riders, uh, riders Typical
1: riders Right, <laughs> <laughs> on to the next uh, subject uh, Moving on to Saxon Ring and obviously the big news at the start of uh, the weekend is that Marco Melandri has now officially left Aprilia yeah. And is going to be replaced by Michael Laverty. So far, we've been told for this race. Yeah, I, I don't know who they'll get at the other races, but uh, it seems almost
0: uh, it, it seems almost certain that uh, that, that uh, it uh, We won't know who's going to be riding at, uh, next at the next race until the beginning of the next race. It will turn out to be Michael Laverty again. Um, it's, uh, I mean, to, to be honest, I think everyone was glad that, uh, that, that melandry um, has uh, gone because he really, uh, his pace, he was consistently three or four seconds uh, a lap off the pace. And the, his departure has been on the cast for, uh, for a very, very long time. Um, there was, uh, yeah, uh, the, the first signs of it were it's Mugello. Where he was, uh, he was four and a half seconds a, a lap slower than everyone else, and it was just a, it was just, it was just really, really sad. And then there was talk about um, him uh, uh, after Mugello. They had they had a meeting. Uh, they were supposed to have one meeting in uh, in Noali with uh, with Melandri uh Melandri's representatives and his uh, uh, and the people from Aprilia. and um, uh, it turned into two meetings. Uh, and we were basically waiting for um for, you know, for the news to come out. But it it, it, it took a few races. Didn't he skip a press briefing along there? Was that kind of a sign
2: that something? Yeah, we skipped. That's
0: right. There was the Michelin test. He was supposed to do the Michelin test on the Monday. Um, uh, he was supposed to do the press. He was supposed to do a press debrief, but he didn't turn up. So he didn't uh, turn up to speak to us. And in fact, he's been uh, yeah, um, basically from 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 Magellan on. That was a that was a sign, uh, mm-hmm. a sign of the wall. That's that the uh, that the honeymoon was. If if there if there was ever a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that that, that was uh, uh, that was a sign of the war. Um, we were expecting uh, after the meeting, we were expecting uh, the the meeting between Melandri um, uh, and Aprilia uh, after Mujin. We were expecting him to be gone by Catalonia, mm-hmm. and Michael Laverty actually turned up at Catalonia.
1: I think I think the, the biggest surprise out of all of this is he's, it's, it's taken to this stage. Yeah, uh, obviously there will be contractual obligations that both sides would need. To, to I out, because I, I can't imagine Marco would have been on a particularly small contract.
0: No, no, no. I mean, they uh, they say that Marco, that Malandri was on, you know, a million euros plus uh, and he wanted out and he wanted He wanted paying in full and Aprile didn't want to pay him in full. Uh, but then the, the other thing is he was in; uh, he was basically dead last, and it's only the first twenty-two riders next year who will receive the one-point-two you know, million in subsidy for uh, from for, from Erta next year. And so it's actually cheaper to get shot of him and get someone in, someone might, like Laverty who can he might actually get close to the point or at least get close to his teammate.
1: Uh, uh, so they might end up uh, earning money next year. Yeah. And of course, um, the way I understand it, uh De Angelis... He'd only qualified De Angelis once yep. uh, all, all year, so I I assume he qualified last in in every race apart from one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have the statistics, but uh, exactly. And it's not the Marco Melandri that that you want to remember.
0: Absolutely, um, in, you not. know, two thousand and six, Philip Island, last corner. Uh, uh, <laughs> Victory sign coming out of the low, one hand on the bars, so the the the, the bike crossed up and, and, and the rear tire smoking. That's how you want to remember Milan. The way his career has gone, it's easy to forget that he was second in the championship, and and of course yeah. a,
2: a an ex-world champion as well. Yeah, he's had a hard time, hasn't he? I mean, after you know going to Ducati, that was trouble, and then. He seemed to have struggled everywhere he went, even through Superbike. He'd go there for a year. What, what, BMW, he went there. They went out. He went to...
0: Yeah, yeah, he went to Yamaha. uh, Yeah, Yamaha. Yamaha Yamaha left. BMW, BMW left. Yeah, it it does seem like that. But it also seems... I mean, he, he sometimes... Well he has a strange relationship with adversity because he'll it, it, either be terrible or he'll be great because he signed for Kawasaki and oh, right. Kawasaki Hayati. left <laughs> uh, that's right, he joined Hayati and he did brilliantly on the Hayati you know, basically on a bike with, with virtually no, no development um, he was, uh, I think he was actually uh, doing better than Hopkins who had been riding the Kawasaki the year before um, uh, but yeah, that was, the, that was the, the, the start of the doomed period because he went from Hayati to... Um, think yamaha and world Superbikes. yamaha left yeah. uh bmw bmw left it was uh basically um uh, yeah i mean it, it, it was basically a pretty uh, um yes so he back is to Superbike now with Yamaha again. Well, great? we don't know. He did He did tweet a picture today or uh, stuck a, a picture on his Instagram for Throwback Thursday with a picture of the Yamaha World Superbike team, one of the trophies he got from them. Okay. So it's, I mean, if that isn't, uh, th- th- that could be either one of two things. It's either a hint that that's what he's going to do. Uh, or it's a hint to Yamaha that that's what he wants to do right. so uh, Andrea Dossily who uh, who's been put in charge of the World Superbike Team is, is very keen on signing Melandri. but um, it depends on who actually runs the team whether he gets there right. so we shall, uh, we shall have to wait and see right on to the Saxon Ring Race yeah, the Saxon Ring. It's a very, uh, it's a very strange little circuit. It's incredibly tight. Um, and you spend a lot of time on the uh, uh, left-hand side of the tyre, and um, it's a place where strange things always happened. Um Two thousand one, two thousand two. Olivier Jacques getting taken out by. Uh, Uh, by Alex Barros while he was on his way to winning his first Grand Prix. Um, um, The start last year, that was something really,
1: really odd. Um, You actually got caught up in the middle of it, didn't you, Tony? Uh, Yeah, I came off the grid. I'd kind of isolated myself a little bit and... uh, came off right at the end when we were. Dawn of staff were pushing you off the grid at this point because it would.
0: Uh, it it rained. I think just after Moto two, uh, just at the end of the Moto two, and it sort of rained and then it stopped and the track was wet and dry and it was all over the place.
1: Yeah, uh, I came off and I was standing there with the marshals and as the riders came to take their to line up on the grid for the for the for the race, I was just standing there looking at the marshals. Well, what on earth is going on? because we had the sight of maybe seven bikes took their place on the grid and of course as we all know everybody else starting the yeah. pit lane and it was it's one of the most surreal things I've I've witnessed yeah well, would- the the cheer when everybody went i mean you look back at it afterwards now and it looks a bit dangerous I was watching it from the media centre, and I was just expecting someone to die
0: because it looked absolutely terrifying. But I think uh, afterwards, I remember talking to Cal afterwards, and Cal was basically saying, "You know, we're we're professionals. That's what we do. You put us all together, and we'll 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 make sure we get through that." It was it was hairy, but everyone knew that it was just
1: really, really, uh, really, really dangerous. Um, uh, but it was it was one of the one of the one of the craziest and probably most exciting starts we've seen in Movo GP for a long yeah, time
0: yeah plus Stefan Bradle got, uh, uh, took the gamble tried to uh, uh, change uh, was he, he changed tyres on the grid but they, they couldn't quite change the shock and so he ended up with the, with the uh, uh, I think he had dry tyres and a wet weather shock in the back and so he led for a long time uh, but couldn't uh, 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 couldn't make it all
1: the way to uh, to the end because, because he he used up his tyre. If he'd, if he'd had just got that shock change, we could have seen one of the biggest wins in Grand Prix. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, because he would have had a huge uh, a, a, a huge start.
0: Um, uh, yeah, right. But I mean, one of the strange things about uh, about the Saxony, of course, like I said, it's all left-handers, except for uh, three right-handers, um, and one of them is that horribly fast one, um, uh, turn, turn eleven. 11 that's yeah. the one. The top the of the zone Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Over the over the top there. It's completely blind. You turn right, and it's the place where. Uh, who was it to, uh, saying today? I think it was Bradley said to, said today that uh, turn eleven. Um, it's where uh, FP one is. Uh, every, everyone crashes in FP one because you need that little reminder. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. It's
1: bloody dangerous uh, <laughs> uh, uh, going down there. So uh, for me, when I stood there for the first time, like year, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a TT corner because of how blind it is, mm. and then it just drops away. It's very much like a, a, the countless corners around the TT course, mm. uh, and it's just an unbelievable sight to see them going around there with the back end sliding as they go around. It's yeah, if, if you
0: actually if you actually walk in the paddock, uh, if you go to the to the end of the paddock, the uh, because the paddock here is split into two sections, which is. Uh, difficult, awkward and very, very strange but uh, you go up to the top, you go up to the top end and there's just a mass of people standing up against that fence watching them come over the hill and through that corner and uh, uh, if you're looking, not, not sliding through there. Uh, it's one of my favourite turns on the whole season
2: and actually if you move up a little bit farther than the edge of the paddock that you're talking about yeah, where you can see them come around and just as they start to go to the right You really are concerned for each writer who goes through there. I hope he's going to be okay. Yeah. And then they just disappear. Yeah. I think that might be part of the... You know, I haven't been to the TT yet, but I imagine that that's kind of maybe what you're looking at as they come flying through there, and then they're just gone. Yeah. They don't continue on, and you see, OK, they're they're doing fine, they're going on safely
1: to the next corner. They just disappear. They just disappear over the crest. Yeah, it's really yeah, exciting. I, I don't think to you can appreciate till you're actually standing there just how steep that drop is. Yeah, but that's it, it's the same
0: with all of the tracks that I've ever been to. Uh, you, you know, you've seen them on TV. Uh, in fact, I think... Um, uh, I can't remember if it was Paul. Or Bradley was saying about uh, saying today about um, uh, Suzuka that they couldn't believe how how much it undulated. You know, you play there and you just think it's you play it on the PlayStation, you think it's flat. Then you go there and it turns out that it's up and down all over the place. You just don't notice it, mm-hmm. and especially steep places like here, like Brno, you don't realize how, bre- how how steep it is until until you actually uh, until you actually go there. But. Um, uh, Turn eleven, difficult, uh, very difficult spot. Um, uh, Bridgestone have brought a solution this time. In, in they've brought the asymmetric front, which they used in uh, Philippine, and They used in Valencia as well at the end of last year. Um, it, it's changed a little bit from the from from what they used last year, but it's uh, it, it it's soft on one side and it's uh, soft uh, on the. Um, uh, let's see. It's uh, soft on the right-hand side, and it's a little bit it's a little bit harder on the uh, on the left-hand side, and it's going to be in between the very softest tyre and the medium tyre. But they've also bought a hard tyre because the Bridgestone people turned up here um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and. Uh, um, and when it was thirty-eight degrees, uh, I think at the beginning of the week there was a there was a, militia, a Michelin test at the, at the beginning of the week, and uh, they they turned up at the track, and it was thirty-eight degrees, and they thought the medium tire is just not going to the medium front tire is not going to last, so we've they they emergency they shipped in some uh, some hard tires. Fortunately, the, it comes from Germany because this is where they have all of their stuff uh, uh, sorted out. So. Um, but uh, the asymmetric tire is going to be difficult because I mean w- I spoke to Danny today, Danny Pedrosa today, and he was saying that uh, he didn't like the feel. It was it was a very very strange feeling. The transition between the two kinds of a rubber um, in a straight line, it, fit, it you get one particular kind of a feel, but as soon as you then roll over onto the other other side of the rubber, um, uh, it changes the feel of the bike, and it and, and it really upsets it. So well, that traction on the side of the tire is going to be really.
2: Important here at a track where once you go, you do the right handers around Omega. I think you end at turn four, and then you get on the left side of the tire five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Before you go back onto the right side of the tire. Yeah. And the the bikes that are able to use the soft tire, um, I think, are really gonna gonna benefit from that. <laughs> Suzuki has this new livery this weekend to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the GSX uh our 750 i think yeah uh, i think they picked a good time to show up with bright shiny colors because i think maverick is really gonna gonna use that tire yeah i i
0: i think you're right i think maverick has come on really well so far this year i mean all the pressure is on Alish because Alish is the established rider uh has been very frustrated Uh, he was frustrated at Really frustrated at Catalunya, He was frustrated at, uh, at Assen just because uh, they don't have the seamless gearbox. They don't have the power. They don't have the acceleration, and so they just every time they get onto a, onto a main straight, they get hammered. And we only have one main straight here. Yeah, this is the perfect track for a bike with those problems. Yeah, exactly, because they spend so much of the time leaned over uh, that. They're just not going to have that same difficulty of, of exactly. accelerating and the bike and, and, up, and that right. that bike really turns. I mean, the, the uh, b- 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 other riders complain that that you know the Suzuki's are diving up the inside, riding around the outside. They just have they just really have the edge grip for mm. uh, uh, for that.
1: I mean, we could be in a situation with a with a topsy turvy grid come Sunday. A rider, uh, someone like Bautista, might spring a surprise. Yeah, I mean, you've got to reckon that the uh, that the two factory Ducatis will be will
0: be close to the front uh, because they can really make that uh, that soft tire work. You've got to reckon that the two Suzukis are going to be up front. Uh, you've got to reckon that the uh, uh, the Pramax will be up front. Um, maybe Bautista on the Aprilia, uh, maybe even one of the uh, uh, one of the one of the open Hondas. Um, it's just it's, it's it really could be uh, you you know that somebody that that at least one big name maybe more big names if you're Bradley Smith if you're Paul Espartero if you're Scott Redding even if you're know, Cal Crutchler maybe even if you're uh, uh, Valentino Rossi or Jorge Lorenzo if it doesn't work you could find yourself um, uh, chasing a time in QP uh, in in, in FP three and if it's too cold it. it it being too too difficult to actually get there and having to go through Q1 which is um, uh, always always unsettling right so who do we fancy for the race on Sunday <laughs> are you going to put me on the spot now? of course <laughs>
1: yes yes. you're going to put me on the spot um, you know what I'm going to go really left field and go for Leish Spargra. and why uh, for everything we've just talked about the I think that the Suzuki could work well here. He's gone well here in the past uh, on much more underpowered machinery than what he's got now. Uh, so, rather than going for the for the usual big names, mm. I'm going to stick my neck out and go Aleish. Aleish. Uh I'm going
2: fa- to... I think that uh, a certain guy named Mark Marquez really has his dander up about what happened in Assen. Yep. And uh, I think he's going to be out to prove a point And... I've seen him ride around trouble before. I think he's got some of his momentum back, and uh, I think he's going to find a way to,
0: to make it work. Well, I think it's definitely going to be a good race because um, uh, there's going to be a lot of people getting in the way. There's going to be all the Ducatis getting in the way. and The Ducatis have a have a real problem with... Um, uh, the, the, the Ducatis, the, the understeer is gone, but they are—they're they're still missing just a little bit on the very edge of the tire. They the the, 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 the traction area. Doug was complaining today about the traction area, just lifting the tire. The moment he lifts the bike up, off of the edge of the tire to the point where you can actually start opening the throttle Um, there it's spinning they can't match the Yamaha's uh, keep up with the Yamaha's there's a few places around here where that really really uh, where where that really really uh, will really hurt them but I, I mean, I have to go for uh, for Danny Pedrosa because I think if there's a if there is a place where if there's a track where Danny Pedrosa is going to win, it's going to be here. He has dominated here um, in the past. It, um, he lost out to Mark for the, the past couple of years, usually through strange circumstances. But um, I. Um, uh, I, I think he, he's going to have his work cut out because I think uh, all of the factory bikes are, or the, the factory Hondas and Yamahas are going to end up um, uh, stuck in the middle of a pack of riders who qualified with a soft tyre so um, it looks like it's going to be uh,
1: an exciting race well I hope you all enjoy it and can, thank you can I just add one more what's thing? that when LA doesn't win yeah. can I just say that, that was just to add a bit of interest <laughs> Okay, can I add one more thing? I was going to say Danny
2: Pedrosa. <laughs> For some reason, I switched to Mark Martin. So I figure I have two writers.
0: Okay, well, uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Scott. And it's uh, goodbye from me.